Hey guys, welcome to One Church. How y'all doing? Good. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what's so cool about what the story that you just saw uh, that Kelly told. You know, she, she actually comes, she gets involved, and the life that was changed was her own. You know, one of the reasons why we ask you guys to, to get involved isn't so much because we just need to fill holes, because we don't fill holes here at One Church. What we do is we ask people to actually step up and make a difference. And what's so cool is the difference that was made. Kelly has made the difference in so many students' lives. In fact, I mean, how many of y'all just enjoyed one weekend? Let me, awesome. You guys are awesome. Look at all of these students here. It's just so neat uh, what God has done. And I tell you, it's so cool when you get involved, you will change other people's lives, but your life will be changed as well. And it's so cool seeing Kelly saying, you know what, I'm going to go public with my faith. And, and, and she's gone public and she's leading other girls to go public as well. So I just want to say thank you so much for giving. Thank you so much for getting involved. Um, our mission here at One Church is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And this isn't about like uh, putting up a label or a denomination. It really is all about Jesus. So I just want to say thanks. So before we get too involved in the sermon today, just want to say a shout out to all of our first time guests. If this is your first time here today, we're so glad that you're here. We know there's a lot of churches you could have hung out with or uh, probably just hanging out at home. And, you know, it, it's a cold day and it would probably be good just to stay in bed and, and pull the down comforter over you and just get all snuggly. And in fact, some of you, as I'm talking, you're going, why did I come today? Right? It's so warm. Anyway, I'll stop talking. Anyway, and also our VIPs, our volunteers are very important. So let's give it up for our VIPs today. Can we do that? <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for volunteering. Thank you very, very much for just giving and volunteering. So we're in week two of a series entitled Elementary, and we've been talking about money. Now, some of you, I just heard some groans. You're like, really? You're going to do a money series? I just invited my best friend, and he showed up, and you're going to be talking about money. Well, here's the cool thing about today is the offering plate is already passed. Right? So we're not going to like put thumbscrews to you. We don't want something from you today. We want something for you. We really do believe that. And I believe that God, he doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. And one of the biggest ways that we can make some huge mistakes financially when it comes to debt and when it comes to credit cards. In fact, up on the screen, you're going to see something, a website from usdebtclock.org. This is the current debt of the United States right now. And let me kind of give you some statistics here from the usdebtclock.org. Right now, the United States is $17.9 trillion in debt. And some of you are going, how many zeros is that? I don't know. All right, let me, uh, let me kind of break that down. As you're watching this clock, the, uh, if you see some of those numbers change, it's changing by $100,000 a second that we're going more in debt, right? So every second, $100,000 passes. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask everybody, everybody look at me. I want you to hold your breath, right, until I tell that you can unhold it. Hang on to it. Ready? And you mark. Get set. <gasps> okay. There's a whole lot of hot air in here. Let me tell you, in those 10 seconds that you held your breath, we just went a million dollars in debt. And now, put this in perspective. 
over a minute, that's six million, right? So this is idea. You know, 100,000, that may not be big to some people. It's big to me. But when you go and start talking about millions over 10 seconds, that's some crazy stuff there. It really is. Let's break this down even further if we could. That's $138,240 in debt for every household. So if you have a family in here and you own a house, for your household, you are $138,240 in debt, thanks to the U.S. government. All right, let's break that down individually. If you're an individual in here, and if you're not, I would love to meet you. Um, that means you are $56,094 for every person debt in the U.S. And it's growing by $100,000 a second. And we become so, like, uh, so accustomed to this, it doesn't even bother us anymore. It's like, well, okay, what's the big deal? It's not my money. I'm not the one in debt. But it does affect us. It affects our jobs. It affects minimum wage. It affects how the dollar rises and falls and how much we can purchase on the dollar. And I want you to compare some of these United States statistics to the nation of Norway. Anybody ever heard of Norway? All right, let me give you some statistics on Norway. All right? The Norwegian government doesn't have any debt. None. In fact, they have so much money saved, they have political arguments about what they're going to do with the money that they got saved. All right? In fact, again, here's a statistic. Every person in Norway, they've got money saved $250,000 for every person. Compare that to the United States that we are 55000 per person in debt in the red. And they are $250,000 per person in the black. And no matter what your political persuasion, I think we can all agree that debt is a really big problem, right? Well, some of you are like, okay, are you going to go political on this? No, I'm not running for office, so you don't have to vote, all right, uh, for me, all right? But here's the thing I am asking you to do. And I'm not going to say that we're going to solve our United States debt problem in 30 minutes. But what I am asking us to do is to look at our own debt problem. Because so many times we can blame the White House for stuff, but our house is not much better. In fact, let me give you some statistics about the average American household, all right? Um, The average American household has a mortgage and a car payment or two and has around seven credit cards and $2,000 on each credit card. The college graduating class of 2014 are going to average $35,200 in debt. In total, we have $2 trillion in unsecured credit card debt and school loans. And to make matters worse, get this, every month we spend $300 more than what we make. Now, I'm not a rocket surgeon, but what I do believe is if you're spending $300 every month more than what you make, you've got a problem, right? And some of you are like, I ain't got a problem, but we do. And we need an intervention. You know, that's the reason why we're doing this series. Last week, we talked about this, this entire series. Is called, it's called Elementary because we're looking at the ABCs of financial freedom. And we looked at last week that A stands for attitude. Attitude. That if we're going to get finances right and finally start doing it right, then our attitude towards money and God must change. We have to change our attitude, and we have to realize that everything that we have belongs to God. He has given it to us. Now today, we're talking about B, and it's the bondage of debt. The bondage of debt. And what threatens to enslave us and to keep us from being financially free, it's bondage and credit cards and debt 
And we're just going to dig into that. A, a verse we looked at last week that's kind of going to be the theme throughout this entire series is Proverbs fourteen twelve, and it says this. There is a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to what? Death. And I believe this applies on the topic of debt because somehow we've started to think that, you know what, having debt, that's kind of the right way of doing it. And the thinking of our country, you know, $17.9 trillion, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. But it does matter. And let me just kind of break this down to you, all right? There are going to be two different types of people in this room. And you're going to choose to be one or the other of these type of people. The first one is this. You're either going to be a person who makes interest or you're going to be a person who pays interest, all right? So let's talk about all of you guys. You guys over here are the make interest people. Let me hear you. Y'all happy, aren't you? Let me tell you why you're happy. is because when you make interest... What's happening is you, your money is actually working for you, and because you've got money here, it's just accruing more money. That's always a good thing, right? All right? You guys over here, you are actually paying interest. And let me go in and hear you say the boo. All right, very good. All right? And let me tell you, that problem is that you have money, but you are giving it away every month and making minimum payments, and if you make the minimum payments, you will never pay it off never, right? So you're going to be, there's going to be two different groups of people, the ones that makes interest, the one that pays interest. And let, I'm just going to be honest with you. If we're going to be talking about this group over here, there are going to be some things that you're going to have to do differently. Uh, people that make interest, first of all, guess what? You can't have everything that you want. You can't. I mean, you may see it and you may go, ah, I really want that. And you look in the, you know, you, you go window shopping, you get on Amazon.com, you get on eBay and you're like, I think I want to bid on that. But you realize, you know what? I can't have everything that I want. I mean, you're going to see the, uh, some people have nicer stuff than you. And that leads you to the second one. Guess what? You can't even have everything that you can afford. You're going to see people and friends who are kind of in the same economic status as you and they got smaller houses and, and they got older cars, and that's what you got. And you see, and they got nicer cars, and it goes faster. It has the bun warmers. It's like, oh, right? It's just like on those cold days, I'm like, oh, it feels good, right? And then, I mean, they got the big houses and the nice cars because they lease them. And, and you're like, I don't even have that. I can't even have what I could really afford. Let's go to the third one. The third one is this. You got to live on a budget. <laughs> Right? Nobody wants to hear the word budget. And look at the last one. The last one is when your money runs out. This is so un-American, by the way. When your money runs out, you got to quit. What in the world? Who would have thunk it? Right? I mean, if you want to be like this half of the room and says, you know what? I want my money to make more money for me then you're going to have to do these four things. You can't have everything that you want. You can't have everything that you afford. you got to live on a budget. And when the money runs out, crazy enough, you stop spending. Right? Let me kind of share with you where we're going today. And this is our big idea today. Debt creates what? Debt creates bondage by reaching into our future and grabbing money to spend it on the now. Do you know that you can reach into your future, get, grab fistfuls of money, and bring it into your present and spend it now? This is crazy. It's like back to the future. You can do this even without a DeLorean and going 88 miles an hour. You can reach into your future, even though you have no money now, 
you can go, I think I want this. You bring it in the now and you can blow it all. It's crazy how that works. But that's exactly what credit does. That You don't have to wait any longer to get the things that you want. You can spend it now and pay later. And i got to be honest with you, this, this is a great system in, until for a while, until things get rough. But eventually, in our case, you know, sometimes the money runs out, the credit runs out, and you're struggling, and you're making minimum payments, and you can't get by. Now, let's talk about you guys. Let me hear you. These are the boo people, right? Let's talk about you. If, if you're going to be your money, you're going to be paying interest, let me show you four things. This, it's just going to happen to happen. First, eventually, you can get so far in debt and have so much credit cards. Here's the first one. You can't have everything that you want because you don't have any money to buy it and your credit cards are all maxed out, right? Let's go to the second one. And this is really painful. You can't even have everything that you once could afford. I mean, the things that you've purchased, people start coming and grabbing and taking them. And in, in, in the 70-inch TV, you got to downgrade to a 19-inch, right? And you declare bankruptcy, and your credit is gone. And it's like, it's as painful as picking off of a scab. And, and, and it's embarrassing if you're a guy, your, your ego takes a hit. And, and, and it's just so painful. And, you know, everybody's saying, hey, let's go get together. And you can't because you broke. All right? Third one is this. You got to live on a budget. And fourth, when the money runs out, you got to stop spending. Now, here's the thing. That's pretty much the same. It's pretty much the same list. You see, here, you're telling yourself no. Right? You're looking in the mirror and you're going, no. Can't buy that. Okay? I see that thing on glamazon.com, can't buy it. Right? I see the car on eBay Motors, can't buy it. Right? Over here, somebody else is telling you no. Right? The bag is going, uh uh-uh. uh, can't do it. All right? And you're going, but you got no credit now. Okay? Over here, you're telling your spouse no. You're telling your guy, your, your, your boyfriend, your husband, sorry, we can't get the upgrade. Over here, somebody else is telling you no. Over here, y- you are planning for your future. And things are happening and you can plan for your future. Over here, you're cleaning up from your past. Over here, when you have opportunities arise, there's freedom. And you can actually take hold of those opportunities. Over here... You're in bondage, and you can't take hold of opportunities. So the question is, which one do you want to be? But remember this. Debt always creates bondage because you reach into your future, and you grab things, and you spend it on the now. You spend it on the now. Let's look at what Jesus has to say about money and finances. Here's what Jesus says. For where your treasure is, There you're what? Heart will be also. As your money goes, get this, so goes your heart. You see, if you want to know where your heart is, all you got to do, you don't look at your church attendance. 
You look at what you're spending your money on. Because as your heart goes, your money follows it. And let me tell you, money has a way of going past our wallet, going past our purse, and just connecting the dots straight to our heart. And let me tell you, if I know anything about God, here's what I know about God. God is interested in your heart. God wants to be in your heart. And he doesn't want you to be in bondage to anything. He wants everything. That song we sang, oh, 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 I love that. I love how you guys went for it and you were singing. Because we want it, it's everything. And that's what we learned last, like, last week, is God, the stuff that you allow me to have in my pockets, it's yours. You have everything. I love that. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Let me tell you another a verse that's so cool. This is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. And we misquote this verse so much. This is how many of us have been taught, all right? Money is the root of all kinds of evil. Is that what it says? You see, how many of y'all have ever heard that money is the root of evil? Let me see your hands. Most of us, right? That is not in the Bible. Here's what's in the Bible. For the what? I'm sorry, one more time. For the what? Love of money is the root of of all kinds of evil. Let's continue. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Have you ever seen someone's desire for money consume them? Absolutely. I have too. How getting money, and we just desire something, we, they call us consumers, but really, many of us, we felt consumed by money. In fact, credit card companies are banking on it. Right? Every time they come up and the dude who plays uh, Nick Fury, what's in your wallet? Right? You know what's in your wallet? It's empty. Because you are paying 20% interest, minimum payment, and you will be paying that until you die. Right? It just is. And they know that before long, you won't just be in love with money. You will be owned by it because debt creates bondage by reaching into our future and grabbing money to spend in the now. Listen to what Proverbs 22, 7 says. The wisest man who ever lived wrote this. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is what? Servant to the lender. Let me tell you what that Hebrew word servant means. It means slave or bondage. Remember, debt always creates bondage when we reach in our future and grab money and spend it in the now. Most people don't go around saying, you know what, I'm a slave to money, or, you know, I, I, I love money. We, we don't say that. But let me tell you, if you can say yes to any of these questions, then you have an issue. You, you need a credit check this morning. The first one, have you ever said, you know what, I'd love to do this, but I don't have enough money. Or how about this? I would love to be able to invest in things of the church or give to a missionary, but I can't because I don't have the money. I'd love to have more children, but I don't have enough money. I'd love to get married, but we can't afford it. I'd love to be able to do this or that, but I can't do it. And what we're saying is we're strapped. We're in bondage. Now, before we go any further, let's go over just a really old rule. Now, this is going to be really crazy for some of you, especially you young people, all right? Those 70 and above, you're going to go, yep, that's correct, right? And I don't know if we have any 70 or above people. Probably not. Anyway, if, if we do, we love you. Gosh, we love you. So, um, and I, I love having you here. Most of us, we're kind of young. I'm 43, and some of you are a whole lot younger than I am. So here's the thing. Hey, I heard the whistling. Who said it? <laughs> I will come down there. I'm just saying. Anyway, let me tell you, 
this is what people who are older, there's a lot of Proverbs uh, that talk about you get wisdom with age. That wise hair, uh, uh, excuse me, white hair is a crown of glory seen most among the godly. I mean, there's just wisdom that comes just by being around the block once or twice. But here's a principle that older folks learned a long time ago. And here it is. If you didn't have the money to buy something that you really wanted, guess what? You weren't allowed to buy it. Now, some of you are going, what? Let me say it one more time. I'm going to go a little bit slower, right? You wanted something. But you didn't have the money. You didn't buy it. Some of you go, what about the plastic, all right? No, no, one more time. You you wanted something, you didn't have the money, you didn't purchase it, right? Let me give you just just a little bit of background. During the Great Depression, before the Great Depression, let me tell you, only 2% of homes had a mortgage against them. That means... Only 2% of people who didn't have the money would actually buy the house and the, the bank would lend them money. Most of the people who purchased house, houses before the Great Depression did so not on credit but with cash. Some of you are going, that's going to be longer than before you had a house. You're right. Exactly right. But when they paid it off because they saved up. Look at this. Skip 40 years into the future. 40 years in the future, and only 2% of homes did not have a mortgage against them. I mean, things changed in a relatively short amount of time. And those of you who maybe had a mom or dad who were a little bit older, and you remember growing up with them, and, you know, they would use the aluminum foil, and then they would save the aluminum foil. Anybody remember that? And you're thinking, by the Lord, I am not going to ever save my aluminum foil, Right? Or some of you, maybe you had a mom or dad that had bought the disposable cups, the solo cups, and you were going to throw it away. And they're like, no, don't throw it away. I'm going to wash them. Right? And you're going, right? And you vowed to yourself, once I get out of this house, I'm not, I, I may breathe on a solo cup and throw it away. Right? Just going to do that. And I get that. I get that. Because they pinch pe- pennies. And you vowed, you know what, I am not going to be that way. But let me tell you, every, every time a generation goes, the next generation just expects to have what the previous generation took years to be able to amass. I'll give you this. You're a 23-year-old, and you know, you're thinking, okay, my parents, they're in their 60s, and they got this type of house and this type of car, and they go on this type of vacation. And you expect the same type of house and the same type of car, and you expect to go on the same type of vacations, and you're, you're expecting to live on a level that your parents, it took 30 years to amass. And we get this idea of entitlement, and we get this whole idea that, you know what, I can have it now. And we put it on credit, not realizing that we are stealing from our future, that we are placing ourselves in bondage. In fact, really, we become a generation of pretenders. Here's the thing that's so crazy. The, every, every generation that goes, the younger and younger generation, let me tell you the thing that they value the most is authenticity. In fact, some of you, you came to church for the very first time. The reason why you left your previous church is like, you know, everybody just was fake. They put on fake smiles and everybody was fine and all this stuff. And I knew they weren't fine because I wasn't fine. And you left that church because I just wanted somebody to be real. 
And so every generation, we value authenticity, but yet we become pretenders and we expect to own it all when really we own nothing. We're just one bad financial hiccup away for the bank comes and takes everything. In fact, look what Proverbs says. I like what Solomon says here. One man, what? Pretends. See, this is all about pretending and keeping up an image. One man pretends to be rich, and how much does he have? Nothing. But look at this. Another pretends to be poor and yet has great wealth. Are you going to be a pretender? Credit gives you the ability to pretend like you got it all when really you have got nothing. And I really believe that there are three types of people in this world. We have the haves, the have-nots, and the have-not-paid-for-what-they-got. Right? They are pretenders in debt and in bondage. So I know everybody's depressed, right? Now, let's start digging out of this hole. How do we get out of debt? Will Rogers, that great theologian of yesteryear, used to say this. He says, when you find yourself in a hole, the first principle is to stop digging. So let's talk about that. I'm going to give you three or four different things so that you can be able to start getting out of debt. And here, before I get into too much detail, I want to show you a great theological treatise of a video that I came across from Saturday Night Live. Love it, love it, love it. You're going to love it. It's a hoot. Watch this. Ugh, I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? (laughs) Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. (laughs) Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in Chapter 3. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. (laughs) Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? (laughs) No. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. (laughs) The advice is priceless and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. So get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. Who knew that Steve Martin could be so deep, right? 
gosh, he's been saying, you, you watched a 30-second clip, and he's been saying what I've been saying in 25 minutes. Well, let me tell you what Solomon, the wisest person who ever lived, had to say about when and how you should pay off debt. Here's what he said, Proverbs 6, 4, don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. So let's get real practical. Here are some three or four biblical principles I'm just going to dive in about how to get out of debt. And here's the first one is give to God first. Give to God first. Now, some of, you, some of us, we think, well, let me, I should get out of debt and then give to God. Let's just be honest. You will never give to God. You never will. And here's the reason why, and it's really what we talked about last week, that when we give to God, what we're doing is we are inviting him into our finances. You see, let me tell you, here's God's kind of, for, for us, one plus one equals that's how it works for us humans, right? It doesn't work that way with God. You see, when you invite God into your finances, he can do some crazy things. Let me show you, all right? There, and I won't be able to get to it. I'm going to tell you the story. Jesus and the 12 disciples are hanging out, and they got like 5,000 people hanging out with them on this, the side of this mountain. And it's lunchtime. And ain't nobody got nothing except a little kid with a Happy Meal. So the 12 disciples... Steal the little kids from the Happy Meal, takes his meal, you know, gives him the toy, so that, you know, kind of made him happy. And he said, Jesus said, what do you got? Well, let me tell you. We've got two, we got two fish and seven loaves, right? And the disciples are going, that ain't going to be enough, all right? I mean, two plus seven equals what? Nine. We got 5,000. It ain't going to work, right? Let me tell you what Jesus did. And you know what he did. He took the two fish the, the seven bread, pieces of bread, and what did God do? He fed 5,000 people and had 12 basketfuls left over. You see, when you invite God into your finances, he can do some crazy math. And this ain't even metric system stuff, right? Just telling you. I just, it, it, I'm telling you, it happens this way all the time. After I got finished preaching first service, I got this dude. His name is Ron. I love Ron to death. We're great friends. We've been in small groups together. And he says, Chris, I know exactly what you're talking about. And he told me five stories in three minutes. Dude was talking like Chatty Cathy, right? And I'm like, dude, what are you doing in second service? Why don't you come up and hang out and tell these stories? He said, I got to go play golf. So you give Ron Pierce a hard time, number one. All right. But I'm telling you, Ron was just saying, you know what, here's what I did. You know, I just got out of college, and I was tithing, and I had no money. But I felt like God was saying, I need to up it and, and go 12%. And lo and behold, that week when I did that, God gave me a raise for that exact amount that I, was, that I, that I missed. And he started giving it to me every week. And I'm like, gosh, that's amazing. He says, then I went to 14%. And then he says, and, and the next week, I got a check from the IRS. And I'm like, and I says, what did you do after that? He says, I stopped. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I'm just telling you, it works. God, when you invite God into your finances and you say, God, you own it, then you know what? When stuff breaks, it's God's problem. It's not yours, all right? Let's go to the second one. Here's the second one. Don't spend what you don't have. Say that one more time. Don't spend what you don't have. If you don't have the money, you don't buy it. And again, that's what Steve Martin said, all right? You don't have to eat out every day. What you can do is you can plan ahead and go to the grocery store, and if you buy stuff at the grocery store, it's a lot cheaper than eating out. Or you don't have to make that trip to the mall. 
You know, one of the things that happens, Clarksville is so spread out. And it, if you're not careful, you can bebop and scat and go everywhere. And if you don't plan it right, you can burn through a tank of gas in two days, right? So you know what? If you live at this exit or you live at Fort Campbell, you don't go to the mall and then come back and then you don't go to downtown. You do it all at once. You plan accordingly because if not, you're going to have all your money is going to be going in the gas tank. Like my very first car was a 1978 Cutlass Supreme, right? And that thing, I got 11 miles to the gallon on the interstate. Right, and my my parents they lovingly gave me that car, and after about six months they lovingly took it away, because the gas bill was killing them. They got me a Geo Metro. Anybody seen a Geo Metro? I was bigger than the car, and I hated it. But let me tell you what that car got. It got. 60 miles to the gallon. Let me tell you today, I would give a lot of money if I could find that car again, right? 60 miles to the gallon. Oh my gosh, right? So if you don't plan accordingly, let me tell you, you're going to burn through a lot of gas. And lastly, thirdly, is this, your kids don't have to be on that travel team, right? You, you, you don't have to do that. I mean, my son Walt, he's in the band, right? And every year, uh, he goes to Rossview, and they said, you know, you can go to Walt Disney World for only $3,000, and you can stay there for three days. And I'm like, you're not going to do that, right? <laughs> Ever, right? It's just, it's crazy money. It's just, it's just crazy money. So don't spend what you don't have. And by the way, I do love you, son, all right? All right, let me show you another principle, all right? I have $10 up here in my hand. One, two, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and no, ten. I got a public school education, just let you know. All right, here's what I'm going to do. All right, this is a principle that every time we talk about money here at One Church, this is elementary, and we're like, I could do that. Well, it gets squirrely when we do more than once. All right, I'll just be honest with you. First one is this. Well, you got ten dollars. You give one first to God, all right? Because that's what God asks. And we invite him into our finances when we do that. Two, the second one, you put $1 in savings. And then that leaves you with $8 to live on, right? Let me do that one more time. Some of that, some of you were like, do what? All right. First one, you give to God. Second one, you save for yourself, and then that gives you eight to live on. And let me tell you what that does. What that does is that you are saving, you're giving 10% away, you're giving 10% to yourself, so that when things happen, you can be able to do something with it. Let me tell you, our church, this past year, started doing this. We give a percentage missions-wise every year, all right? We also, we've been putting away 10% in reserve, and because we've been able to put 10% reserve, when the opportunity came about a month ago for us to go to an auction and to purchase some land, we were able to purchase some land, and the bookkeeper came and wrote a check for $50,000 for earnest money, and I signed it, and I was, I was puckering while I was signing it. I ain't never signed a $50,000 check. I just hadn't, right? That ain't the type of money that I usually go in. But we were able to do that because we had put money away, and we still had money in the bank. And let me tell you, the same thing happens for you. If you give 
to God, and then you give to yourself in savings, when opportunities come, you can actually be able to pounce on those opportunities. All right? Let's go to the third principle. The third principle is this. Live, live on less than you make and then pay off the debt. Live on less than you make and pay off the debt. So after you've given to God, after you've put money in savings, right? After you get at the end of the mortgage, the food, all of that stuff, then you take whatever you have left and you pay off your debt. Dave Ramsey says it like this. You take all your extra, all of your leftover money, and you start by paying off the smallest debt first. And you're going to pay that debt off fairly quickly, and you're going to get a quick benefit from that, right? You're like, dude, it works. And then you're going to take what you were making on your minimum payment on that small one, and you start putting it on your next bill that's the smallest. And you're going to pay that off. This is called the debt snowball, right? I mean, it's getting winter. I love winter, love, you know, and you get those, you get to make the snowballs, right? You put it in your hand and then you, you put them on the floor and you roll them and then it starts getting bigger and bigger and then you look to your kids and you say, do you want to build a snowman, right? You do that, right? It's called the debt snowball. And if you don't believe me, don't be a hater. Uh, just, uh, anyway, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, believe somebody that it's worked for, all right? I'm, I'm going to show you a quick video from just a great couple of our church. In fact, they're sitting right there, all right? Kyle and Jessica Bernie. And they went to something called Financial Peace University that I'm going to invite you to go to. In fact, we're doing our next Financial Peace University on January the 25th. How many of y'all in here have been to Financial Peace University? Look around. Was it beneficial? Absolutely it was. So if you're struggling with your finances or, and maybe you're not struggling, you just want to get a little bit better, a better handle on it, I'd encourage you to sign up for Financial Peace University on January the 25th, and it's going to happen on Sunday mornings, right? So Kyle and Jessica went to Financial Peace and listened to what God has done with their finances. Roll that clip. We were working on the debt snowball before he left, but um, I really worked on it while he was gone with a little bit of extra pay to get in. We were nearly debt-free by the time he came home just with the debt snowball. Um, So it's been really awesome. And we're working it again now. We're in a place now where we have a little bit of extra. So we've been working it again, and uh, we're really excited to uh, pay off a couple more bills and be a little bit more financially free. I think the big win for us was the debt snowball. Uh, It just is an amazing tool, and it works time after time. Uh, We're still using it to this day to get out of debt to be acquired after deployment. And uh, I just, it's an easy program. You start from the smallest bill, pay it off, and it's kind of a motivator just to keep on going and to just cross it off. We actually hung ours up on our fridge and it was just a daily reminder, like, we can do this, we can knock this out. And just going and seeing it crossed off each time, it just we can just keep on driving, keep on pushing. Uh, one thing cool about the debt snowball is uh, you get little wins as you go. Since you're starting with the smallest bill, you, like Kyle said, it's motivating to see those bills just disappear. Um, and using that strategy, you get little wins and they get bigger and bigger as you pay off bigger debt. And another thing I really like about the program is um, managing your finances. It's biblical. Um, he doesn't just stress getting out of debt and getting a savings account. He stresses having the faith to tithe first, regardless of where you're at. Um, 
in with your finances, regardless of how much debt you have. He says to give to God first. And um, we started tithing for the first time um, when he deployed. And it is just, when God says test me, he won't disappoint. It's been amazing to see um, God's provision in our lives, even when we don't think we can afford the full 10% or whatever, it always works out at the end of the month. And that was a huge win for me too. Uh, I was, I wouldn't say I was anti-tithing, but I was, wasn't really sure about giving my money to God whenever I could use that money for other things. And whenever, it, we started it right before I deployed and we just stayed faithful to it. Whenever I was deployed, uh, it was just one of those things that she was the one that was more in her heart to tithe. And with her, with me being downrange and her tithing and me seeing where the money was going and all the, the blessings that God gave us after we started tithing, when I got home, it was just 100 mile an hour in that direction. Like it's 10% and we're looking forward to being able to up that percentage. For Colin, Jessica, Bernie. It takes a lot of courage just to be able to talk about your finances with a group of people. It really does. And uh, it's one of those things I really do hope as we close, I hope you realize that this is not something we want from you. It's really something that we want for you. And let me tell you as we close, let me tell you and show you what God wants for you from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And this is what it says. It is for what? Freedom that Christ sets us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of what? Slavery. God wants us to be free. You can be free from debt. But that means you got to intentionally start realizing you got to go through this. You got to give to God first. You got to stop spending what you don't have. And then you got to start paying down the debt with what you have left. And here's what. Imagine. Imagine what you could do if you didn't have any debt. Imagine what type of opportunities you could start doing if you were debt-free. Imagine what you could do. You could, it's, it's, it's like, imagine what our church could do if our entire church became people that were debt-free. Uh, what could we do and how could we serve the 150,000 people here in Clarksville? What could we do for those people who are hurting around the world? What can we do with children and teenagers right here in our community? What can we do for single moms and single dads? What can we do for spouses who are downrange and the spouses who are left behind? What could, how could we minister to them? What can we do for orphans and widows? What can we do? The answer, pretty much anything God calls us to do. Because then we wouldn't be in bondage anymore but we would be free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, we would be free at last when we start prioritizing God and doing what he says that we should do with our money. So when he says give gener generously, we trust God. When he, when he says stop spending money you don't have, we trust God. When, we, when he says I, I want you to get out of debt, we trust God. It's kind of It's kind of simple. Just because it's elementary, it's kind of difficult. It is difficult. A couple of answer questions, and then we're going to be gone. First one is this one. Um, um, when making our budget, should we tie, uh, that's 10%, give 10% from our gross pay or our take-home pay? 
All right? That's a great question. And probably the best way I could explain that is I think with God, I don't think it really matters. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that God loves a cheerful giver. And that you're just willing to ask the question, I think you could do either and God would be pleased. Really would. So let me say this. This is not a question. But some of you are like, dude, I can't do 10%. Maybe your faith is this small. Okay. Start with a percentage. And start giving that and test God and see what he does. Here's another question. All right. What does God and the church say about bankruptcy? That's a, actually a fairly difficult question, I've got to be honest with you. The Bible really doesn't say, thou shalt not do bankruptcy. Right? It, it's not in second opinions. Right? Let, me, let me tell you what the Bible does say. It does say that we are to pay off our debts. In fact, we looked at what Solomon said, that do it now. Don't wait. Get out of, your de- get out of debt. And I think the best way to be able to get out of debt is to not declare bankruptcy and start the the debt snowball. Now, let me tell you, it's not a quick fix. You're not going to be magically debt-free, but let me tell you, when you, when you, when you declare bankruptcy, that's not a quick fix either. It will impact the next seven years of your life, definitely seven years of credit. So I wouldn't take the easy out. I would start the, the smallest first, and you start digging yourself out. Let me tell you, you've not dug a hole so deep that God can't get you out of if you obey God with your finances. I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? Now, some of you, you're like, well, I, I declared bankruptcy a few years ago. This is not me condemning you. Romans 8, 1 says, uh, in Christ there is no condemnation. So I'm not giving you guilt, but I am telling you this. I've seen people declare bankruptcy and then years later have to declare bankruptcy again because nothing changed in here. Nothing changed in here with their wallet. So you've got to ask God to change you, and then you've got, you got to honor God with that. So great question. All right, as we close, all right, we're gonna, I'm going to show you two videos, and then after the videos are done, you're going to be dismissed, all right? But let me kind of set up this first video because I'm really, really passionate about it, all right? Next week, after both services... We're going to do something called Jumpstart. How many of you have children in here? All right. Now, let me tell you, if you have a a child or a small child, and they're asking questions about God and faith and the church and the Bible and stuff like that, and they don't have a relationship with God yet, I'm going to personally invite you to show up and come to Jumpstart next week. It's about 15 to 20 minutes. It happens after the first or second service. And let me tell you, my son Bingham, my seven-year-old son, uh, he went to Jumpstart last year, and he learned that God loves him. And he learned John 3.16. And, I mean, he can tell you today the four things that he learned, that God loved, that God gave Jesus, that if he would believe, he would receive Jesus. And what's so cool, just a few months later, I got to baptize that dude, and I was crying like a little girl. I just was. So I'm telling you, if you're a parent in here, uh, we would encourage you for you and your child to come because we're going to just lay it all out there. We're going to put you on third base, and then you're going to go home, and you're going to lead them into that relationship with Jesus that we're talking about. And then later, you can baptize them. How awesome is that, right? That's, that's wow, right? That's amazing. Y'all didn't see that, right? So, all right, happens next. Watch this video, and then we have a financial peace video, and then you're going to be dismissed. Thanks for hanging out, y'all.